Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Good morning and welcome to IWF podcast, Working for Women. My name is Ashley Carter and I am the director of coalitions for IWF, as well as the elected representative for DC's State Board of Education. Today, we will be discussing our upcoming Women Lead Summit and our elected women panel, Women in Elected Office, The Need, the Challenge, and the Future. With me today, I have Nan Hayworth. Nan Hayworth is a former congresswoman from New York's 19th Congressional District. She was elected to that position in 2010 as a member of the Republican Party and a leader in the Independence Party. An ophthalmologist by trade, she received her bachelor's degree from Princeton University and her medical degree from Cornell University Medical College. Nan, welcome. How are you today? Great, Ashley. I'm so glad to be having this conversation with you. I am, too. I think it's a very poignant conversation to be had, especially with our last election. Uh, we, ha- we saw uh, elected uh, representatives and we saw women in, on both sides of the aisle, uh, both at our highest levels. And today we see that women make up more than half of the U.S. population and that we're almost half of the voting electorate. And yet, We make up less than one-fifth of representation in Congress, and unfortunately this week we even just heard that we'll be losing Congresswoman Ileana Ross-Layton in the next uh, congressional uh, congressional election. So, talking with you, what do you think? I know, she really is. Uh, It's going to be a shame that we're losing her. Uh, The first Cuban... Yeah, the first Cuban-born congresswoman and elected representative uh, in Congress. Now, asking you, obviously, you've been in Congress. You've seen you've seen the dynamics there. Do you think we need more women in office? Well, I certainly perceive quite acutely uh, the numbers. And when I was in the House Republican Conference, uh, we uh, women, and I'm the first uh, woman who's also a physician ever to be elected a member of Congress and still the only one, believe it or not. Uh, but there were only 10% of us in the House Republican Conference. There were uh, many more, uh, both in absolute and relative numbers, on the Democratic side, interestingly enough. So some folks uh, phrase the question is, why are there not more women on the conservative side? Uh, who are uh, engaging in electoral politics, uh, particularly on the uh, on the federal level, uh, but certainly it, it you can apply to women in general. I think uh, it would be uh, it, it's it, the ideal is for no one to feel constrained that somehow uh, she, since we're talking about women here, cannot run is inherently disqualified from running. I certainly did not feel that way. Uh, And I don't, uh, frankly, get that message from uh, society in general. So I I have a feeling it's not that um, 
you know, women are being discouraged to run, if you will. I think, if anything, women are being encouraged to run. But I think there are certain factors, and uh, maybe we'll talk about those, uh, that may uh, make it less likely for uh, us to run versus men. Well, you're right. And I mean, following up on that, you know, I'm going to ask, why aren't more women in elected office? And what are some of the barriers uh, women face both to running and then once they are in office? Because we see that women, when they run, they win at equal levels as, as their male counterparts. So why aren't more women running? I think, you know, Ashley, I think it's the same uh, reason that we don't see more women uh, in positions or uh, in some cases, I know in medicine, practicing their profession as long for careers as long as, uh, as men do uh, or along as, uh, as prolonged, if you will, as continuous a pathway as men do. Uh, and quite honestly, and certainly basing it uh, on my own experience most intimately, uh, a lot of it has to do, I think, with the way we socialize men and women and the family responsibilities uh, that we respectively take on. And I think a lot of women uh, feel constrained um, in most cases because they have children uh, and still in our society for a lot of different reasons. Uh, women have the primary responsibility for hearth and home. Not always that way, as we all know, Uh, but I do think that that holds a lot of us back from a lot of endeavors that we might otherwise do. It affects a lot of career paths, and if you don't get into politics early, you know, if you if you want to be successful, uh, there's a certain uh, combination of time spent, dues paid, if you will, Ashley, and you're already spending time Mm -hmm. as an elected in Washington. Uh, relationships, networks, as, as we can easily imagine, uh, and then resources, resources that you can gather from friends or render on your own. Uh, and it's harder to do that if you're not on that path uh, from a fairly early stage. And for, for a lot of women, family uh, responsibilities uh, uh, with great joy, and one hopes in most cases, but intrude on that path. And, you know, it, it, it is as it is. So I think that's probably the primary reason uh, that a lot of women don't get involved in politics as, uh, as frequently and as early and as heavily as they might otherwise choose to do. No, I agree. I agree completely. I've seen it uh, talking to other women, myself, uh, those women, they say they want to run, but after their children are either in school or out of school uh, because they're too busy, you know, raising their family. However, at the same time, they offer a great viewpoint and it would be fantastic to have you know, more young women, uh, more mothers running for office because their opinions are valued and needed. Um, Another thing. Oh, yeah. No, what I uh, found recently, it was very interesting. I was listening to uh, an interview by our Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow. And another uh, reason she brought up was what she labeled as the preparation gap. She said that too often women, they want to make sure they are fully prepared for everything that comes their way and they want to be the expert in all areas or issues that might come up. 
Yeah. And, and uh, you know, you don't see that uh, with men as well. Uh, men will just get in there. They'll run for office. Someone asks them to run, and they will jump in there the next day, whereas women want to study the issue. <laughs> well, it, 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 that's fascinating. And it's certainly in my case, I'd have to say that there was, it, it, there was certainly uh, a, a significant drive to master the mm-hmm. issues, no question about it. Um, but it's an interesting point about uh, perhaps uh, men feeling more so they can just kind of jump in and mix it up. And again, I think uh, it probably relates in some way to just the the demographics. You know, well, it's uh, you know it, it, when uh, it, you know there are folk ways among women and folk ways among men. You know, although I mm-hmm. like to uh, I like to uh, to mix it up, and you know, I've worked with and competed with. Uh, both men and women, and uh, quite honestly, and you know, I've said this many times. You know, I I haven't perceived uh, an awful lot of difference, believe it or not. You know, good people with good hearts and good souls, no matter their gender, are, are going to be terrific. And you know, there are some who with whom one would prefer perhaps not to work. But uh, but yeah, I think women clearly uh, are going to be uh, uh, more inclined to. Uh, step back and examine the landscape if they haven't been a part of it for X number of years. And again, you know, if you're not getting in from an early stage, you don't know, you don't know what you're facing. So you do want to, you know, I I agree with Elaine, you know, there could definitely be an element of hesitation. Uh, And I know when I started in politics, it was like I had to get to know uh, everybody and everything really, really fast. And I think another aspect of it is uh, that politics is still a very old fashioned uh, endeavor in a lot of ways, a lot of face time, a lot of you got to be there. Um, we've it's it's marvelous to see how we have been able to uh, expand uh, occupational professional opportunities for women uh, because of job sharing, because of uh, you know commuting, uh, if you will, uh, you know uh, via the internet. Uh, you know, remotely. Uh, there's there's so much that we've been able to do with that, and that's wonderful. But it doesn't really work in politics. Uh, so that's another distinctive aspect of politics, if you will, that maybe we could change at some point. But right now, it's still you know you you got to be there, you got to go to the the dinners, you got to go to the VFW hall, you got to you know if you're talking about elected politics, you know, it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of time away from uh, home and hearth and family. I agree. I agree. And as we're sitting here talking about, you know, female candidates, I'd love to ask you what you think makes a candidate successful in his or her run. Um, I, I especially, you know, here we're talking about women and we're talking about women specifically. Uh, what sure. what makes a candidate successful? We see that when women run, they oftentimes are elected at equal rates as men. So yeah. what makes the, that particular candidate successful? You know, and I think there may be a slightly, it's a great question, uh, Ashley, and a highly relevant question. Uh, and there is, I would say, a gender distinction there, uh, interestingly enough, and perhaps more so on the Republican side than the Democratic side, because I think on the Republican slash conservative side, uh, there tends to be, uh, in fact, I mean, well known. There's also a more socially conservative aspect to that, which means that there's more of an expectation implicitly among these electorates 
uh, inherently that you will be more feminine, if you will. So what, you know, how does that translate? Well, it translates into approachable, warm, giving a lot of hugs, uh, projecting compassion. Uh, you have to, obviously, it, it's, it's a great thing to be able to project that you can get the job done. Uh, but especially uh, in, uh, in the social aspects of politics, I think women, and again, particularly on the Republican slash conservative side, are expected to be, uh, if you will, sort of the, the, the model of, you know, you know wife, mother, uh, you know, everything uh, you, you want to see in womanhood, but also capable of, uh, of uh, carrying out the kind of policy initiatives that we hold dear. And so there, there is uh, uh, an element of that. I did a lot of hugging when I was on the road and, and I enjoyed it. It was genuine, but uh, it was, you know, no, I keep that up. Keep that up. Yeah. I agree. I did the same thing over a course of six months. It was a lot of hugging. It was a lot of handshakes the door knocking, really making sure you're getting out there face-to-face and talking to voters. Uh, But also, I know earlier you mentioned resources, and it was interesting to me because I've seen over the past couple years uh, more access for women specifically with uh, financial resources. PACs are coming through, uh, more financial um, backing from the parties on both sides of the aisle. Uh, And and also, you know, it's not just uh, men who are oftentimes contributing politically nowadays. We see more women. Women are heads of households, and they want to get involved and invested in the political uh, realm as well. Yes, sure. Uh, And and I think that's that's the expected evolution uh of uh phenomena when we all have uh, almost infinite access to information at this point you know women who are uh managing uh their lives and those of their families you know women have an incredible job these days uh but you know we we know how the other half lives so to speak we all do so uh you know no, of course understand how important it is to get involved if we're actually going to get things done. And because, you know, we, we have more independent, ever more independent access to resources, uh, we can direct them toward uh, other women in ways that we couldn't uh, uh, even a couple of decades ago. Uh, oh, I agree. And, you know, right now we're sitting here talking about uh, women, ba- barriers, making candidates successful, But again, oftentimes, even today, it comes down to, frankly, just a lack of women running for office. What do you think are some things that we can do to just get more women to run and change perspectives and get more women elected? Well, I think we can actively recruit women. We can we can concentrate political efforts on that. We need to direct more uh, efforts from uh, organized Republican and conservative entities in our particular side of the aisle, if you will, on that. Uh, I think uh, Democrats uh, and the left have uh, a more robust uh, participation by women for a lot of, uh, again, a lot of uh, different reasons. But on the Republican side, uh, I think we have to do much more. There's a lot of talk about it. 
but there's not, there hasn't been, and while there have been more resources, Ashley, and you're right, uh, our efforts are dwarfed by those of the other side. Uh, and I think, you know, some of it is, uh, again, because of the established structures and hierarchies and networks of friendships, you know, it's much more of a, a male-dominated thing among Republicans. And I, if you if you ask them directly, they're not going to uh, oppose the idea, I don't think, of devoting more resources to women. But actually making sure that those dollars flow in is very important. Uh, and, of course, women-to-women support efforts uh, are, are key. Uh, again, on the Republican slash conservative side, I think, uh, you know, our I, and I don't know what the, the breakdown is, but I know in New York Metro, which is where I live, uh, there mm-hmm. are a lot more active women with money on the Democratic side than on the Republican side. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot more uh, women who are uh, affluent in in business who are just the numbers, you know, who are active mm-hmm. on the Democratic side than on the Republican side. And in areas of, of urban concentration, you know, bicoastally, that's where a lot of the women with money are. Uh, so it's, you know, one of our challenges as a party and as a cause is to try to engage those, uh, you know, that, that uh, demographic, you know, those affluent women with resources who, uh, tend to be among the uh, affluent people with resources who support Democrats. So we have to make our case among them that, that women are empowered in Republican and conservative causes, that you know, what we're doing, and IWF is so marvelous and so, uh, so worthwhile, punching above your weight in sending the message that the issues that conservatives uh, support and seek to advance – uh, benefit everyone, and they benefit every woman. And that's such an important message to send if we want to help direct resources toward Republican candidates who are women or conservative candidates who are women. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, making sure that we are asking a woman to run. They say statistically women have to be asked many times uh, before they'll even consider a run. And I want to make sure that our listeners know that we're not just uh, making sure that we're getting any woman to run because it's not just about having female representation, but it's about having good candidates run. We want to make sure that we have good candidates. And again, you're talking about these Democrat women. Too often times the Democrat Party has uh, billed themselves as the party for women. And unfortunately, today we haven't seen that that's the case. I mean, Republicans, overwhelmingly, we as women are a party with a myriad of different ideas. We are not in lockstep with each other on on many different issues and both socially and economically. So I think you're you're you've hit the nail on the head there about making sure we are are making uh billing ourselves and representing ourselves uh out to the public uh for more fully. So exactly. last but not least, we're sitting here looking towards the future. And do you think that we will have more women in political office? And how do you think that yes. will shape our, the future of government, not just at the federal level, but at the state and local level as well? Well, what I, I you know, my dream, 
Ashley, is that we have proponents of uh, a restrained and respectful and effective government, uh, which uh, in my lifetime, that has been obviously more the province of my Republican uh, party philosophy than the other side. Uh, So that's what I want to see ever more uh, appreciation of uh, the uh, critical importance of of doing government right and of uh, having policies that actually liberate us from the burdens that government imposes. Again, IWF has been incredibly important in that. Um, and if if we're uh, successful in propounding the message that it's crucial to the success of every member of society, including women, to have those kinds of of, uh, sensible policies in place. Uh, And if we can encourage women who believe that to get involved, and if we can facilitate their involvement, uh, and again, IWF, I think, does an amazing uh, job uh, with uh, being heralds for that message. And I, I envision that IWF is going to continue to grow in strength and numbers and in leadership uh, at the forefront of getting more women who believe as we do to get involved. And when they do, uh, I think they will certainly be compelled to be effective. They do, you know, they, the, the my, my women colleagues were, uh, were good listeners. They were compassionate uh, uh, servants. They cared about bringing everyone in uh, to the fold and helping everyone to understand. They cared about particularly uh, making sure that uh, folks knew that, that families uh, were uh, being better served by what, they, uh, by what they proposed and what they voted for and what they fought for. Uh, and I think if we do those things, uh, we, we have uh, a great future. It may come in increments, uh, but, you know, I, I think it will continue. I think it, 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 is, it, it is a trend that we can build on, and IWF will be a leader in, in doing so. I, I agree. Slow and steady wins the race, and with <laughs> IWF, we can help to uh, shape public policy for the better with common sense regulations and Absolutely. great ideas. That's well, right. that w- that yeah. is a great we're co- a great conversation. We're coming to the end of our podcast today. For our listeners, I want to make sure that you hear us and more uh, on at our Women Lead Summit. During our Women Lead Summit, we will have a panel with Nan Hayworth and myself. Uh, oh, additionally, with several other uh, panelists. It's called Women and Elected Office the need, the challenge, and the future. It'll be May 16th in D.C. You can check out more details on that and the rest of the day by going to www.womenleadsummit.com or check us out on our website for this and more information at iwf.org, iwf.org. This has been another podcast for IWF. And I hope you enjoy our listening today. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by IWF.org for similar content.